1: From E to Zimbra, this is you talking talking heads to my talking head. The comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things talking heads. This is good. Rock and roll. Uh, Music. Welcome back to the show. I say welcome back in case, um, just assuming that you've all heard at least one episode, but uh, welcome to the show if you've never heard an episode. Uh, this is, uh, you talking talking heads to my talking head, the comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things talking heads. This is good rock and roll out music. I realized I was about to explain the show, but I had just already explained the show in the introduction and that was not necessary, but welcome to the show. Uh, we have a very special one today. Very, uh, we're breaking from the format. We have been Going through Talking Heads discography in order of release, in a sequential order, chronological. That's the word I was trying to think of, chronological. We have been doing that, but we are breaking away and talking about something that isn't even. Uh, official brand, officially branded as Talking Heads, but uh, certainly uh, is Talking Heads adjacent. We are talking about the not only tour album, but also movie, American Utopia, David Burns' American Utopia, I should say, which just came out. Uh, we will be talking about the music, we will be talking about the movie, and we have a very special guest. Uh, who's going to be joining us for that. Comedian Demi Adigewebe is going to be here, and I'm very excited about that because of his connection to Talking Heads, which we will talk about when he is here. But one person I wanted to talk to before that... Oh, by the way, my name is Scott Aukerman. I'm the lead... Since we're talking about Broadway, I'm going to be using stage terms here. I am the lead of You Talking Talking Heads to My Talking Head... One of mine. You are the supporting actor. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait. Are these acting roles? <laughs> yes. I've been reading my lines. Have you not been reading your lines? I no, wondered. I've been you've been going off book so much. Well, I'm off book every. Every week. So I guess- Off book, by the way, is a theater term. Off book means not reading your lines. I I know I need to uh, uh, explain this for the people who are uh, uh, just downstage of us uh, in the peanut gallery as uh, uh, William Shakespeare once uh, coined them, I believe. Did he coin peanut gallery? He did. He also coined the terms men's and women's rooms uh, when referring to the- the, uh, the bathrooms. At the old globe? At the old at Globe, the old grobe? The, <laughs> the the old old grobe? grobe. <laughs> By the way, that's what I call Josh Grobe when point. I see him. Old grobe. The old grobe. What's up, grobes? Um, but he is the supporting actor to my lead actor. Uh, please welcome to the show Adam Scott. Hello, Adam. Hi, everybody. Uh, listen, I don't know if I've ever talked before on this show about my love of the theater, but I feel tonight, it's appropriate because tonight is a uh, theater term night uh, here. It truly Louisiana. is. Yes. We have stage right, stage left, point stage right, if you could. Stage no. right. Yeah. Stage right. Not, not if, up. Not up. You're pointing up right now to the to the heavens. As if I am on stage. As stage if right. you're on stage. Point stage right. No, you're pointing down at your penis right now. It's a point, it's it's basically to your right, unless you have your back to the audience. Ends up being towards the penis when you're on stage. it's That is all definitely one acting style where everything is directed at the penis. <laughs> yeah, that's the only acting style I know. <laughs> It's all penis centric, isn't that? The, every, isn't what there, Meisner taught. It, yeah, isn't there some sort of acting style which is just basically every scene is just prelude to fucking, essentially? Like, oh yeah, that that's a whole. Did you watch the the vow that HBO thing that about uh, uh, how do you pronounce it Nixium or Nivium or yeah? You... Nixium. You said I said two things and you said yeah, yeah. Both of them are correct. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. I, I did not watch it. Why? Did you watch it? The guy just got uh, 150 years in prison. Yeah. And there's a thing he did that reminded me of like acting teachers where he's like, you know, we're men. So all we care about is fucking. It's <laughs> like, fuck, fuck, fuck. What do I want to fuck? I want to fuck that. And when I'm d- done with that, I'm going to fuck that. And I'll just keep fucking it. You just have to fuck. uh. I know. It, that's the like, dude, wait, that's the dude from The Vow that's a guy or that's just, got 150 years? Or what about your acting teacher? How many years did well, he it get? Well, just, it, it felt like a, an acting teacher who who's who's kind of surmising that it's all just, it all comes down to fucking. Sir like Yes, yeah, he's surmiser's that it's all about fucking. Sir Meisner, welcome. Sir Meisner. Ah, Sir Meisner is here. He's about to fuck you. Um, what, who's, who's the, uh, I, I, I had a couple of acting teachers like that. I remember I had one in college who had like, um, he had very, uh, there's no other way to say it, but very Mark Maron energy. He, uh, he. Was it he, Mark Maron? It was not Mark Maron, but he, he would, uh, you know, sit down in a chair with, uh, you know, leaning against the back. he turn it around and lean against it. Sure. He had a, a, a big long mustache. I think his yeah. name was Mark. He had a lot of Marin. sounds. So far, you're <laughs> describing Mark Marin. <laughs> he had uh, about an hour of material every single time we would meet. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, acting teachers, yes they uh, they are the scum of the earth, are <laughs> they not? That's what we're here to say. Have you ever taken acting classes? I would doubt it, but uh, yeah, you, go ahead and hit me. You can't there's no way of knowing by looking at my work (laughs) if it's something that's been studied or not was it was there a certain time with your acting by the way adam scott you may know from certain acting projects uh parks and recreation um other less popular things which i can't name uh he currently has a game show uh which is and i have a I have a mnemonic way, or not mnemonic way, but I have a way to trick my mnemonic? my brain into remembering what the title of it is. Uh-huh. It's, uh-huh. ask me if I want to watch your show. Do you want to watch my show? I don't. Oh, that's what it is. Don't. Yeah. Yes. There you go. <laughs> that's right. There you go. Um, so, uh, uh, but did, wh- what was the biggest challenge for you as an actor? Wh- like, wh- did, would you watch your work and adjust for the next time? Or wh- Like, do, are you embarrassed by your early roles? And what did you fix? would I watch my work and adjust for the next time. Well, sure. I mean, like go, "Oh gosh, I was I was pushing it there. I was a little forced. I'm going to dial it back next time I go onto a set or or were you, you perfect right from the jump? You mean like as a as a young like young actor starting out. I don't know out. why I need to explain this to you. No, yeah, well, I, I, I I said I, it I'm perfectly. I'm curious about the context because I I would work so infrequently if I watched something and thought, "Ooh, I should make an adjustment." I would have to hold that adjustment for like seven months, <laughs> and then and then be like, "Oh, okay, now I can now now I can apply this to this to these you, three lines on Boy Meets World that <laughs> I have." Do you feel like there was a role where you really like broke through and you were like, "Got him!" Ooh, I. I nailed this. Yeah, were you were you watching? Was there uh, now? I remember uh, when I was in Oklahoma. Uh, the, the not the state, but the musical. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother came to see it, and she gave me a very nice compliment afterwards. She said, "You were so good in this. You this is the first time I felt watching your acting like you really." uh believed what you were saying oh (laughs) oh boy so was there ever a moment like that for you i'm still my where my mom came up to you and said anything (laughs) like that to you i'm still chasing that feeling of your mom complimenting my work (laughs) but at least what i'm saying is at least she did uh enjoy your work and think you uh she believed you it, it really made me feel, though, that I had wasted the previous eight years of my life, or <clears throat> I used those eight years in getting to the point where I needed to be. What How old were you when you were in Oklahoma? 23. Wow. Where is this production of Oklahoma with a 23-year-old Scott Aukerman? Uh <clears throat> Let's see. That was up. Uh, pardon me, because I am choking uh, every other word. But uh, is this, by the way, an episode of choking every other word? Yep. Hey everyone. Welcome to <coughs> Choking Every Word. This is Scott and this is <coughs> Scott. <coughs> and today we're <coughs> we're choking every other <coughs> every word. <coughs> I don't know I don't know if um <coughs> it's every other <coughs>
2: Words? Just a few
1: words, but it, <coughs> at a time, it's definitely frequent, <coughs> it's frequent, a freak, frequent choking. Yeah, let's. But try to I do would it. excuse me. I would, I would say that it's it's more, like, <coughs> it's more like every every fifth <coughs> word, fifth word. word or so. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> I don't know what that <coughs> what that is. I don't know what the <coughs> hell is mm. going on but uh we'll see you next time thanks bye Thank <laughs> <up>. <laughs> bye <clears throat> good to have. yeah that was enjoyable it was very good so far this is an enjoyable uh uh romp of a podcast yeah what have we so far <laughs> we have let's give ourselves grades you know uh, uh the reviews that broadway shows get uh broadway, sometimes they, yeah. they stay up late uh, have you ever done broadway no, but I've been to Broadway in oh, okay. several have you ever, different towns. Have you ever stayed up late uh, in your own life? Oh, yeah, sure. Last night I stayed up pretty <coughs> late. No, last night I went. <coughs> last night I went. <laughs> is this another episode? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> God damn it. Um, what's the latest you've ever stayed up? Uh, is 14 a time? Can you stay up till 14? In military hours, yeah. Yeah, I've been up till. So you, you stayed up till 2 p.m.? Till two p.m. Yep. So wait, uh, when do you when do you usually go to bed? I usually go to bed at like eight nine a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and how? Long, okay, when do you wake up? Uh, I usually wake up right in time for dinner. I, I wake up. Dinner is the most important meal of the day. You gotta have it uh, before you okay. s- you know go to work or school. Okay. okay. So you so then you 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 stay up until until like until i said 8 9 a.m. okay that's when i go to bed okay. why what time do you wake up um i'm i'm pretty normal i usually wake up uh, somewhere in the 5 p.m. oh uh, okay so you range. wake up a bit earlier than i do yeah and then i i go to bed at 6 p.m. that must be nice I, I once in a while i'll wake up that early and i love it because you're the only one up you can walk the dog.
2: You, you can. can get you, some it's stuff done. it's
1: like you're in the middle of I am Legend or something. You're walking yeah, around Los no Angeles. No one's around. No one's around. It's five p.m. and it's like it's a ghost town. No traffic. <laughs> I'll sometimes just walk down the freeway with my dog. Oh yeah, and at a, five and p.m. A, no traffic anywhere. It's gorgeous out, and a semi-automatic uh, rifle. Sure, Like an and, I am I am Legend. Sure, and I'm just shooting zombies. I think oh yeah, that's the other thing. There's zombies everywhere. There's zombies. Yeah, There's the zombies in I Am Legend. Is that what that was? I think it's a zombie movie. Yeah, I think it's a, a as they say, a zomber. Fine. <laughs> Why does that upset you? <laughs> I was just frustrated with uh, you. Uh, you know, just kind of rubbing yeah. at my face a bit. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, you're right. It, it is frustrating. But in any case, so uh, uh, they would stay up late on Broadway and wait for those reviews to come in. Oh, okay. And that's yeah. a lot like uh, what we're doing right now. We're just like staying up late waiting for the reviews of this romp of a podcast. Waiting which hopefully, for the reviews. Hopefully one of them's going to say it's a romp. When I was a young kid. And by young kid, I mean, I don't know, 11, 12, s- somewhere in that range. Sure, uh, that's yeah, d- in, by all metrics, that is young. Yeah, absolutely. By any measurement of time, uh, when, Other than in dog years, in dog <coughs> years, wow, that was old. real. That cough was real. Um, in any case, uh you, oh, no, so I, I was a kid. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, okay. And I, I was on a trip to NYC, New York City, uh, mm. with my uh, with, 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 with with your otherwise side piece? known otherwise with known your as your Guma. Yeah. Otherwise known as not the home of Pace Pecani sauce. <laughs> sure. And my step uncle. Uncle. I mean, I can just call him my uncle. He's a yeah. terrific guy. Does it, why do you need to downgrade your step uncle? You know what I mean. Like, do, well, do you think a, I don't think it's a downgrade to say step? A d- a ste- yes, it is. It's a downgrade. Otherwise, I we wouldn't it say it. It's certainly not an upgrade. You don't walk around going like, this is my stepmother. Oh, isn't that great? Isn't that great that my mother, you know, divorced my dad or died or whatever? And now I have a stepmother. What a wonderful situation this is. No, it's not an upgrade. Okay. It's not even a lateral move. It's a a downgrade. It's definitely a downgrade. But if that were the truth, then stepmom would never have won, like, best picture and everything. That's true. It did win best picture. So we're at this play, uh, the Broadway show Dames at Sea.
2: <laughs> oh, um, wait.
1: so you, And your step-uncle did this one. That's why you're He there? did the Yeah, he's a lighting designer, right? So we go see Dames at Sea on opening night, and uh, which was – I'd never seen a Broadway show before or anything, so it was it's a huge deal. And then afterwards, we go to the party, and the uh, papers arrived at the party, and it was a big hit. Or it got a good review. So I assume it went on to, to be a big hit. I don't know. Someone can do the research of dames at sea in, uh, in who New do York. You, who I do you know want to heroes. do the research? We don't have anyone to do research like that. Um, well, I don't know. I'll, you know what? I'll hire what? someone tomorrow to, to do that research. Like an intern or? Uh, no, I think I'll hire a professional researcher. Okay. Add like a salary, like a base salary with- Yeah, yeah. I'll pay, him, I'll pay him a good, a good salary, good livable <laughs> wage. <laughs> what are we talking about? I mean, obviously like not minimum wage because this seems like it's going to be a lot of work, but like how much are we no, talking I, about? I think we all know that minimum wage in the US is is not cutting it these days. Uh-uh. uh it no, should needs, be 15 needs to get up there at least $15. I'd say, i would say $50. $50 an hour. $50 an hour- w- would be fair, but I feel like this is a uh, a pretty tough job, um, and it's specific. We're talking about researching one the specific year. thing. It's not like you're saying, "Hey, go research everything." This right. is very specific. This is for very one. specific. Exactly. So, I need to find out the production "Dames at Sea" when it was exactly, and in, in uh, I guess it would be the late '80s. Um, and, and was it a hit? No could take months to yeah to, it's going to take some, some a crack researcher so what are we talking six figures at least at least huh how much how many hours a week would you say uh let's just say 50 because it's going to be there's to be a little bit of overtime in there yeah i'll do it well, i okay, I mean, you can send your resume in whatever um oh shit, really, okay, yeah, I mean it, what I, are you lo- what are you looking for in an employee? I need someone who can get some researching done and get it done okay. in like half a year, okay, well, i do you wanna do the job interview we- right now sure, okay i mean it's it's your it's your picnic here, so you can <laughs> very good very no, good. No, you can choose the, you know, to to have the basket filled with tuna sandwiches or it can be filled with shit. It's it's up to you. <laughs> Is this part of my job description? <laughs> Do you want me to pack your... It's part of your interview. You have to play along with all of this. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm, Uh, uh, you know, seeing your demeanor. I'm watching everything uh, now. How does one play along? Yeah, sure. But how does one play along with you saying you can fill your picnic basket with tuna sandwiches or shit? Like how, what is the response you're looking for? That's up to you, man. It's your interview. Well, I responded the way I wanted to respond, and you told me that I was blowing the interview. So what are you looking for? I didn't say you were blowing the interview. I just said you need to respond the way you're going to respond. It's your pick. Or- I responded the way that I responded. I you know, he- and it was great. Really? You're hired. Yes! Can I just say my greatest weakness is that I care too much? I've been keeping that one in reserve just in case. Interview's mean, over. You don't need to. Okay, I just wanted to say it because I was so proud of that answer when I thought of it. Okay. But well, uh, we'll see. It'll, you'll be judged.
2: Uh, you know. Can I, uh, I get your work? Can
1: I get my salary in advance? No. No, you get paid when the job is over in six months. <laughs> I don't think that's legal. I think you have to pay at least some of it as we go along. Yeah, Sue assume- me. <laughs> Fuck you I will. My dad's a lawyer. Test number 2 completed. Great job. You're hired again. Yes! I knew it. I knew this was still part of the interview. Yep. <sighs> okay, so now can I have my salary in advance? No. Okay. When do I get it? You can get it. Um, hmm, let's see here. Ba, 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 ba. Hmm. Uh, what's today? It's Wednesday. Uh, Add fourteen, carry the two, put it down there. So. In six months, when you finish, fuck! I don't think that's legal. Sue me. <laughs> I can't sue you. Who am I kidding? My dad's not a lawyer. I don't have any money to sue you. All right, I'll just do the job. Great. Oh, damn it. I thought that was part of the interview. I was hoping you would say that you, it was all a joke and you were going to pay me. Now it is. Great. Yeah. hired again. Awesome. Can I have my money up front? No. <laughs> How do we get out of this? I need money, Adam. <laughs> Wait, why do you need money so bad? I don't understand. You think this is paying the bills? You talking talking heads to my talking head? Have you heard one ad on this show? Have we read one ad since we've started doing this show? Not one. (laughs) No one's listening, Adam. No one's listening. Well, if they were listening, they would be pretty psyched about this content. (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) Look, uh, Adam, we... We have to take a break. Does oh. that surprise you or does that shock you? I think it's needed. Look, we, we have a very exciting show. We have, uh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to be talking about American Utopia. Have you watched it yet, by the way? <laughs> I should have asked you before we scheduled this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you say, oh, yeah, what does that mean? You watched it once? Or you watched it enthusiastically? or I watched or, what it, was it enthusiastically I mean? once. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, good. Well, we um, have to take a break. We're going to be talking about American Utopia, the film, the album, the Broadway show. When we come back, we will also have Demi at DigiWebay will be here. We will be right back with more you talking talking heads to my talking head after this.
0: go spread the word when you get a fresh hot mccrispy from mcdonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag don't try to wait till you get home always respect hot chicken the mccrispy only at mcdonald's ba-da-ba-ba-ba
1: welcome back you talking talking heads to my talking head special american Ooh, there goes that fade Uh, American Utopia edition, I'm here with Adam Scott, and we're going to be talking about American Utopia, uh, and uh, uh, before we we bring on our guest, Adam, did you see this in the theater or did you just watch the movie? When would I have seen it in the theater? Uh, I'm... I'm flummoxed oh, by that oh, question. sorry, sorry, sorry. What, I thought what? you meant like the movie, did I see it? Oh, oh, okay. Um, I'm no, just, I'm just like, do I have to explain Broadway no, 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 no. shows to Adam? I mean, he was just talking about uh, having gone to one, whereas yeah, his, his step-uncle was the lighting designer, and suddenly he doesn't know what a theater is? That may have sounded like the beginnings of a terrific <laughs> bit, but... Um, <laughs> No, I, I unfortunately I didn't. I, I, it was like one of the first things I was going to do when I got here last spring uh, to start the show, but but then that didn't end up happening. Well, you probably you probably would have driven to the hotel or wherever you're staying first. Yeah, I would have unloaded, like unpacked, maybe get off a plane. Get off the plane. Well, yeah. So Jesus, yeah. Get, off, would, the get off the is plane is probably number one. Yeah. And then I would have to get a ride from the airport to...
2: Well, actually, um, do, you, do you clap when the plane lands?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I do that. For That's the very first thing. You're right. <laughs> the very first thing. Thank you, Demi. The first thing I do when, I, when I'm in New York officially is I finish the applause that I started when we were just off the ground. Mm. <laughs> because you clap continuously throughout the flight. So on I a clap, flight from L.A. to New York, that's, that's a six-hour... Scott, that's not fair. I I clap for the last ten minutes of the flight through the landing. How do you know when to start? I ask the flight attendant. You you say, just give me, give me a ten more minutes. Give me a ten minute warning. warning. Do they give you a light from the front with their phone? (laughs) They give me yeah because we're usually they've already told them to sit down, so they just give me a a Morse. You know Morse code. They give me a Morse code. What are they? What are they spelling out in Morse code? We're landing in 10 minutes. We're landing in 10 minutes. That's a lot of Morse code. I asked them to give me a 45 a cool 45, too. So I've got a cool 45 and then 35 minutes later they give me the the sweet 10. So you're they're not getting, startled. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not surprised. I know it's coming. It's in exactly 35 minutes. So I'm I'm ready by the time that that sweet 10 comes. So when that's over though, of course, you I got to finish a, clapping. Yeah. You finish clapping. Then you unbuckle your safety belt. Unbuckle the safety belt. I kind of just shake off the detritus of air travel. What, when uh, you're in your seat, you're shaking this off? Yeah. It the, for, it's the, no, sorry. I stand up and then Okay. I shake yeah. We forgot a detritus. very important step yeah. there standing up. Yeah. I uh, shake off the detritus of uh, air travel. And then I, I grab my carry on. Well, Depends if I'm if I'm if I have a seat in front of me if I have the seat in front of me that's where my carry-on is uh, easy access and do you have to strap it in with the seat I I don't even know if if they would allow that uh, they they let you do that yeah I, it, as long as you you know belt it in and glue it to the to the to the bottom of the seat you're fine glue wait glue what the 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 carry-on the luggage. luggage what kind of glue do you use. I use just regular, just Gorilla Glue, the kind you get at Target or... Regular Hummer's glue, party. Gorilla Glue? That's regular, not regular gr- glue. glue. Regular Gorilla Glue. <laughs> that's not regular glue. If you're using Gorilla Glue on everything... Well, Elmer's wouldn't work with the fabric that they use for, uh, you know, seats on, a, on an airplane.
2: Right. That's why that wouldn't work. Yeah, because... <laughs> that's right. Gorilla
1: Glue works great. Is this an ad for Gorilla Glue? What's going on? Yeah, are we sponsored by Gorilla? It's we- six ninety nine for like a, I don't know, a seven ounce bottle. It's uh, Kevin has deal. told me that we Amazon. have not been able to get any ads on this show, but is he funneling <laughs> them straight to you? Yeah, so sorry, you're cutting me out. This one's not out? for the show. This is just me. I have a, oh, a thing going on of a with a that right now. And for
2: Christ. the copy that they gave you, they didn't. They said it's six ninety nine for I don't know, like seven ounces. Yep, that's right. <laughs> okay,
1: here I'll show it you. It's right here. The copy's right here. Oh, that's interesting. Wow! Yeah. yeah, there it is. Wow, there it know. is. Yeah, six ninety nine for I don't know seven ounces. There it is in forty eight point font. Why so big? Dollar an ounce. That's a Gorilla Glue uh, motto. <laughs> that's their motto. Dollar an ounce. <laughs> that's, that's not just something that they said. That's a motto they li- they like. Dollar an Run ounce? their company by. They put it we on the bottle. guarantee it. <laughs> so what? What happens with inflation down the line? Or. That's the thing. It's inflation-proof, and it says that right above the... uh, It's inflation-proof. Inflation-proof motto. It's the only one in the world. Okay, well, we should be using Gorilla Glue as our currency then, right? Sure. Well, some people do use it as currency. I'm going to after I get paid for this ad, I'll tell you that much. But what if they pay you in Gorilla Glue? Well, they are, and that's that's why I need to use it as currency, because I don't have a a ton of real currency. I just have a, a shitload of Gorilla Glue. Got it. I was always thinking, like you know, the ninety nine cent store. I'd be like, well, what about inflation? To do, are they going to have to change their, you know, like the the five dollar burger at at Carl's Jr. It used to be like, hey, this would cost you five dollars at a at a fancy restaurant, and then it actually cost five dollars, and then they had to stop saying it, you know, because it didn't make any sense anymore. But I was like, at some at one point, they're going to have to like call it the two dollar store, or the dollar ninety eight store. But it turns out they just like make everything smaller. Really? They just like as as inflation rises, they just give you less and less of the thing that you're paying ninety nine cents to. So it's like, hmm. you know, you can get it's you just your stuff. Or no, you can you can get like, hey, four sponges for ninety nine cents. But then like, you know, five years later they give you three. Should we introduce our guest? I think so. Maybe he wants to weigh in on this topic. The I would love store. Yeah.
2: I've been silent for so long.
1: Yeah. Um, we want to introduce our guest. He is a comedian. He is a musician. He's a writer. He, uh, I believe, was writing on, were you writing on the Amber Ruffin show? Yeah, I am. Uh, you're currently doing it. That's great. I'm, okay. I'm in a
2: Zoom right now. I should I should go. Oh, shit. Wait. is Are you talking to us or are you talking to her? I'm so sorry. What, I'm sorry. One second, Amber. What was that, Scott? Wait, hold on. Was the whole Gorilla Glue thing with Amber? Yes. What are you guys doing? What is this? Oh, man. We we, we were talking about Gorilla Glue as well. Oh, that's so crazy. Do you also glue your carry-on to the seat in front of you? We were Yes. Just talki- Wait, that we're not, is insane.
1: You're not stealing our bits, are you? We're not going to watch bits. the Amber Ruffin Show tonight and see Gorilla Glue on it, are we? No, you wouldn't because the Amber Ruffin Show airs on Fridays, Scott. Oh, okay. Speaking of uh, throwing a plug in there. Yeah, (laughs) seriously. Um, He is uh, a a great comedian and and one person that I really wanted to have on the show uh, uh, for several reasons. But please welcome to the show Demi Hello, Hello.
2: Uh, Scott, can you give me one of those reasons?
1: I will. Yes. Okay, so uh, I was on... A, a different podcast on another network mm-hmm. called Blank Check, where yes. uh, they were talking about uh, uh, David and Griffin were talking about uh, the oeuvre of Jonathan Demi, and I came on to talk about something wild. And I noticed that you were on the episode before me talking about a little film called. Stop Making Sense. That is correct. And I listened to it and it is one of your favorite albums. I'm not sure about favorite films, but it's one of your favorite albums. You say you've listened to it more than any other album. Is that I right? I do believe that's true. Yeah. It's one of my favorite both. I, I've watched
2: it maybe three times this year already. And it's like Stop Making Sense is the album I listen to whenever I'm just like, ah, time to go for a walk in the neighborhood. It's like I put on Stop Making Sense. Why not?
1: So you're going on Hour long 20 walks through the neighborhood. That's right. And I don't come home until it's done. My dog <laughs> hates it. <laughs> Wait, you're not taking your dog. You gotta take your dog on these walks.
2: Oh this no, is like he hates prime it. dog time. He hates it because I'm taking him out for so long.
1: Oh, okay. Your dog hates walk, but he also he also has a pair of headphones on and he hates that album. That's right. He is not into uh, talking heads at all. That's one thing I found is talking heads is not music for dogs. They hate him. They hate it. It's not. But uh, in any case, Demi, I, I wanted to have you on mainly for that reason, because you're such a, a super fan. And knowing that this is sort of the spiritual sequel to Stop Making Sense, I wanted to check in with you about it and see what you thought about it. Yeah. But I, uh, I, don't, I don't want to ask you that right now, because we need to set the scene, and I don't want to get your opinion just now. So right, sit you got to tease people. Sit on that opinion for a little while, if, if you don't mind, because we, <laughs> we should talk about the show itself. Um, American Utopia on Broadway. David Byrne's American Utopia on Broadway just came out. This is an emergency recording session. We uh, uh, got it together as soon as we could to put out this episode and uh, just came out on HBO Max. I'm not sure. Was it on HBO regs? On the regs? I have no clue. That's a great question. I don't know. Isn't it? It really is a good question. Scott, did you see this, uh, this show in the theater. Okay, I'll tell you my uh my experience with American Utopia. So, uh my first uh the first little taste I got was uh uh when David Byrne was on the Colbert show. Did you see that? Either of you guys? I've seen that. Yeah, Demi, you were nodding, but this is an audio medium, so you're going to have to speak up. Sorry, I was nodding again. It's the other Zoom. Oh, it's uh, Amber? I was nodding
2: t- to Amber. She was what asking. Was she was asking if I saw uh, David Byrne perform on Colbert.
1: Oh, that, that's exactly what we were asking. This oh, is, is crazy. It? That's wild. I've got to see the, this. I should get her in on yeah. Friday. Yeah, yeah. I got to see what she's talking about. So, um, I, I saw I saw uh, David Byrne on Colbert and. Uh, it was really cool. It was him and, and the band dancing around the entire audience and doing choreography and doing choreography with Colbert. And it it seemed really cool. So I was like, oh man, this, this, and okay, let me back up a little bit. I also saw the David Byrne St. Vincent tour in 2012 at the Greek here in LA. And that was sort of the genesis of this tour, I think, because Um, they had seven or eight horn players, uh, who were all, uh, their, their instruments were miked and they were all able to do choreography around the stage. Hmm. So that was sort of, but, but the drummer was in one place Hmm. and the keyboardist was in one place, but the horn players were all kind of doing choreography. So, um, I saw that and then I saw the Colbert thing and I said, oh, wow, this is, this looks like it'll be a little more of the same. So I want to go see this tour. And then um, before it came to L.A., I uh, watched the Coachella performance, which was streaming live. And that was like, I think it was like at a, around 5 p.m. The sun might have gone down or something during it, but it was really fucking cool. And I remember telling you, Adam, that, that we have to go see David Byrne when he comes to the shrine. Um, this is like a must-see. Yeah. And then, and then what, what happened? We didn't go. When you say we didn't go... Was I texting you constantly for no. the for the month before then? No, and you were not returning any of those texts. No, I remember you saying we've got to go see this, and I was like, yeah, totally. And then, and then I don't remember anything else happening. <laughs> yes, did you say? <laughs> well, let, oh, me f- it's let me fill and- you in. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I, f- I said it's happening. Should I get tickets? Hey, it's coming up. Are we gonna go? Should we get tickets? And then I think maybe the day before you're like. Oh, sorry. I'm out of town. Can't go. <laughs> yeah. It's a bummer. I wish I uh, I wish I would have figured out how to go see that. So uh, I, I, w- I wished I had gone to see it, but then when I heard it went to Broadway, I uh, knew I had to get my little tush to New York City. And um, I flew to New York, and I saw the show, and uh, uh, yeah, so I saw, it, I saw it on Broadway. Demi, did you see it? No, and you know what sucks is I flew to New York,
2: uh, just being like I promised uh, uh, David and Griffin that I'd do the show at some point. And I was—that's right. You flew to
1: you flew to New York to do that podcast that I did, and I and I flew to New York not just to do the podcast, but I did their podcast in New York and saw David Byrne on the same trip.
2: Yeah, I was there and I was, it was like the anniversary of Stop Making Sense and I learned about American Utopia happening because it was like the anniversary of it. And I was like, oh, maybe I should go see it. And then I didn't. And now watching this, I was like, I fucked up. I absolutely should have gone to see it. I flew to New York for a Talking Heads thing and then was like, I'm not going to go to this other Talking Heads thing. I was thinking
1: recently about Time travel and like going back in time and reliving your life with everything you know with like perspective and why were you thinking about that? Just for something I'm doing and I was I was just I was thinking about it and and the one thing that I keep thinking about is trying to figure out how I would go to the Pantages to see Stop Making Sense. Like how I would convince my parents that I was (laughs) old enough to see a, a, a concert and how I could save up enough money or how I would just like kind of ditch them and go see it i was like as long as i'm back by 11 i'd have to take public transportation yeah (laughs) because you were of age where you could have like snuck off and actually gone uh, yeah i would have been 14 which would have been a stretch with my parents Um, that's what you would do with a time machine scott (laughs) that's literally like the one of the big things that was on my mind why don't you just go to the thing yourself as the adult in the time machine why do you have to convince a younger person? No, but this to this is this is me if I if my consciousness gets transported back, like a thirteen going ah, on thirty. Okay. Yeah, this isn't okay. a Back okay. to the Future. Oh, this is a thirteen okay. going on thirty. You uh, just you didn't clarify that. This is Jennifer Garner as Scott Ackerman, Yes, going to the Pantages, sneaking off to the Pantages. Who's the Mark Ruffalo in this scenario? Well, I think he's the Incredible Hulk in my biopic. Okay. It's the Incredible Hulk and Jennifer Garner as Scott Ackerman. Yeah. I'm. I met the Hulk, and I we hung out for like three years, and so he would probably play the Hulk. Okay. Anyway, so you didn't go see it, and you fucked up. That's right. And then I watched it here, but and, you watched uh, you watched it uh, at at your home. Yeah, a few times actually. I've watched it twice as well, Adam. You watched it once enthusiastically. I loved it. It was terrific. And I, 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 you know, if I was a betting man, I'd say I'd, I'm would going to watch it again. I put it on again today. Um, I watched the back half for the second time and just I, I really was struck. I was like, I, I think I'm just going to have this on in the background a lot. Yeah. Much like what you do, Demi. It's just so great. But let's yeah. let's talk. Let's talk about the show itself. Uh, Before we get into to our our views on it. So this was uh, it started out as, of course, the album American Utopia, which came out in, I believe, yes, came out in 2018, a collaboration uh, with uh, Old Sourpuss. No, He's boy. rearing his ugly head Wait, here. Wait, Brian Eno produced that with him? Brian Eno uh, produced uh, or, or co-produced with a few people, but uh, also co-wrote all but one of the songs. Oh, wow. All but two of the songs, sorry. Um, yeah, Old Sourpuss just frowning his way into this sunny project somehow. Yeah, when David Byrne mentioned Old Sourpuss during the show, I was just like, oh, geez. I, w- <laughs> I was surprised that people weren't like, boo. He says at one point, he goes, oh, my friend, Brian Eno. I just want people to say boo. I'm surprised old Sourpuss didn't enter the theater and ruin everybody's night. Just like going thumbs down to everybody. Yeah. Boo! Is
2: this also where I mentioned that I'm actually really close with Brian? And uh... Oh, he's talking to Amber.
1: Don't worry yeah. about it.
2: No, I'm not. I'm talking to you he's guys. Still, he's still talking
1: to Adam. Yeah. I'm right. talking.
2: He's still I'm talking, talking. to him yeah. Are you talking, talking to Adam talking Scott and Scott Ackerman, two writers on That's the Amber too. Ruffin show?
1: Whoever's names. Maybe maybe we shouldn't have said that about old sourpuss. It seems like we've really. you're calling my
2: friend old sourpuss. to my face. He doesn't
1: know, he he doesn't know who face.
2: we're talking about. <laughs> He's calling shit. Brian Eno, my close friend of oh, many shit. years, sourpuss to my face. I feel I feel terrible, Demi. I'm sorry. And that's I just feel- the first line of uh, the sketch that I think we should do. What no. oh, again? I'm so
1: sorry. What are you guys? What's going on? I'm so sorry. <laughs> See? I really got to. Oh nice no! hold no, you. Fuck. Um, so the American Utopia record came out back in 2018. Uh, back in March. And I remember there being like a kerfuffle when it came out. This isn't, I mean, the major thing about the record, but um, I do remember a little bit of Weird Press where Mr. Burns, uh, people were a little upset that uh, I believe not a single woman played on his uh, record. Is that right? People were like, hey... They were like, hey, well, why do you only have men uh, musicians? There's like 30 or 40 musicians on this record, and I think they're all men. So he came out and apologized for it and said like, "Uh, my bad. And um, so I actually think that this tour, he intentionally um, hired a bunch of cool women, and uh, they're really cool. But um, so this album came out, and uh, have you heard the record, uh, either of you guys, the actual record?
2: I haven't heard the record, but I remember when uh, Everybody's Coming to My House dropped, and I heard that, and I did get very excited for American Utopia, and then it totally just, I forgot about it until uh, the Broadway show was happening. But that song is great.
1: Yeah, it is, and I think I had the same feeling, and then just never really thought about the album again until (laughs) I watched this (laughs) on HBO. So so it's really good promotion whoever was the PR oh, yeah. department for American Utopia at least these guys thought they should listen to it but they immediately forgot about it so not much retention but um what about you? Uh, they did you went on you get on, into that album at all Scott I I definitely did it's you know David or Mr Burns's uh solo records are um you know, uh, spotty, uh, but uh, some are really great. And yeah. this one, I thought was uh, one of the better ones. Mm. i I definitely and I will say seeing the show so many times uh, really makes you enjoy the songs that they play a lot. So they went on tour for uh, a few uh, or not a few years, but about uh, definitely a few months. and um, it was a really unique tour. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, Essentially, what happened was Mr. Burns was sitting around his goddamn apartment, and he was like, just you know, mulling this tour over. He's just like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Oh my gosh, I have a tour coming up. I'm so scared. What do I do? He's frightened. Are he's you got, bullying David <laughs> Byrne? He's got stage fright. <laughs> no, he's sitting. He's sitting around and he's thinking about the tour. And he he really enjoyed the uh, the tour of Saint Vincent where um, the horn players were able to wander around the stage and do the choreography. So he started wondering, well, could we do that with the entire tour? Could we do it with every instrument? And he didn't quite... He couldn't quite wrap his mind around how to do it with drums. So uh, he called up... uh, his uh his drummer who he's worked with for a long time, uh Mauro Rafosco and he said, Hey, is this possible? Could we do it could we do it with drums where the drummers are wandering around? And and Mauro thought about it and he said, like, okay, let me let me really think about how many drummers you would need in order to replicate like not only what one drummer right. does while he's sitting down but also what percussionists do. So he really mapped it out and he thought okay, for one drummer who's sitting down we'll need three drummers. We'll need one we'll need one guy doing the bass drum, we'll need one guy doing uh the snare and we'll need another to do the like the uh the cymbals, right? But we also need three other drummers to do what a percussionist would do as well. So he came to David Burns or Mr. Burns and he said, Hey, I think we need six drummers. Um, What do you think about that? And then uh, they, they got the keyboards and then the bass and the guitar. And so Mr. Burns is thinking about this and he's, he, he knows he wants two dancers too. So he ran the numbers. I read this article where he's like, I'm very budget conscious. And so I ran the numbers and I, 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 I thought about how much we were, every show was going to cost and how much uh, the band would cost. And I really wanted to keep everything under budget. So he actually wanted to have yeah. horn players, but the budget wouldn't allow it. So that's one thing I was wondering about when I, I watched this because he just has the guy who's playing like synth horn, right? Synthorns, yeah, exactly. So, so that's just a budget thing. But um, he he eventually worked it out where he could have this cast of people. So when you watch the show, everyone is playing their instrument while standing and doing intricate choreography uh, with and behind David Byrne. Um, the entire show. So it's an, a a one hundred minute show, and everyone is standing up and dancing the entire time. It's really incredible. It, it is. It's, really really good really incredible i i i had high expectations just because everyone who had seen it said it, said it was great and and uh i was afraid it was going to be overhyped but it was terrific it was not yeah. overhyped so it, and and i i also read this uh really interesting article um about how they mic'd the instruments because every single instrument has to be mic'd uh, the same way you would when you go see a concert, but when you go see a concert, they're basically like all the mics are just set up in one place and they have area mics above the drums and stuff, but they're moving around with these um, instruments. So all of the mics have to go inside all of the drums and they c- they couldn't construct the drums the normal way that you would because of the mic inside So they had to find like special skins for all the drums that were looser than normal so that you would get the sounds that you would normally hear in a concert with this mic inside. It was really fascinating, like how much work they put into this. Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, the head of the the drum line went to these six drummers. Nick Cannon, of course, (laughs) wearing his turban. (laughs) <laughs> and talking about the Jews. <laughs> um, uh, he, he went to all the drummers and said, like, here's what I'm thinking, but what are you guys thinking? And he said that everyone came back with, like, all these great ideas of different instruments. When you watch the show, like, they're, they're, they're all drumming these really unique drums. Um, and they all had ideas, and they brought it and said, I think this would be cool for this song, and I thought this would be cool for this song, and so it was really collaborative. And that's just, that's just you know, there's six drummers, uh, that's just part of the show. I mean, it's really, it's really incredibly intricate. They had to rehearse for six weeks, I believe, eight hours a day. I bet, Jesus. And uh, it was choreographed by Annie B. Parson, who uh, is a choreographer and dancer and director from Brooklyn. Um, she's the artistic director of Brooklyn's Big Dance Theater. And basically, so what did you guys think of the of the actual choreography? How did it hit you? How did it hit you? I thought it was great. I feel like there's something, uh,
2: just the way that they use space, even uh, in how he sort of replicates the thing of the certain parts of the band coming out on stage uh, in pieces like he does in Stop Making Sense. it, It all works so well. And the fact that they're like dressed uniformly and that they move in such a like it all it feels like the choreography works so well with both the lighting and the camera that it, it's weird to think of how this probably plays as a live show because I, I feel like visually it's so, you know, specific. But it I thought their movements were incredible. And even just the fact that they can do all that and like memorize it all so being like, All right, we gotta play the right notes and shit, I it floors me.
1: Yeah, I I thought the same there's one song, I think it was um This Must Be the Place where they did that sort of signature move where I saw in a lot of like publicity photos of he and the two kind of main dancers doing that one move where they, do you know what I'm talking about? Where they all. Oh, where, where they're, they're sort of like arabesquing. They're sort of like. They They walk like uh, an Egyptian. Outstretched arms and sort of crouched legs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so simple. And it was sort of indicative of a lot of the choreography, which was just sort of. Just really simple, but really striking and great. And just that one move, um, it, it got applause every time they did it during the right. the song on the chorus. They would do it every time, and it, each time the crowd went crazy. And there's just something in the sort of brash simplicity of all of the uh, all of the choreography. And part of it is seeing so many of them. Uh, doing the choreography together. And some of the choreography was just them walking back and forth too, or just a group of them being on one side and David Byrne being on the other and them changing, you know, changing places. It's so simple, but so just fun to watch. And part of it is the music, the happy music. But then he also like midway through the show talks about his idea for the show was what's the one thing people like watching more than anything else? And it's other people. Doing it. Sorry, what, yeah, what did you say? Yeah, people doing, doing it. it. Doing it. Um, and I think in he's in this talking case, to Amber again. I'm not. See, that's part of his conversation <laughs> with It still is part. Yeah, I would get
2: fired if I was saying that to Amber. I'm talking to you guys. I'm on the podcast. You talking... What's oh, this it called? Is,
1: <laughs> you talking... <laughs> amber you, ruffin to me are you
2: talking talking heads to my
1: he wouldn't heads? insult us like this he's no, definitely no, no. talking to amber okay i am not talking to amber
2: i'm talking about american utopia wonderful broadway show
1: <laughs> okay right. he's he he convinced me he talking is to talking okay. to us yeah definitely um hi demi anyway yes um well a lot of the choreography is uh is very uh deceptively simple movements i was reading um an interview with chris giarmo who is the dance captain he's the striking a uh, dancer uh, slash backup singer who wears uh, sort of drag queen inspired makeup. That's his uh, yeah, he uh, was great. view on it. He's great, and he uh, he essentially um, says that the the what uh, uh, Annie B. Parson does is she takes sort of normal movements. It's kind of what what David Mister Burns did in Stop Making Sense. You know, with the chopping on the arm, and he he she takes these sort of deceptively simple movements, but everyone has to do them in unison and while they're performing their instruments. And they all have to hit the exact move. They can't just sort of half-ass it, you know? And so it's actually very, very difficult to do. And Chris Jarmo was talking about how, uh, like what the hardest song was. And um, he was saying the hardest song for him to do was uh, Don't Worry About the Government, which is really early on in the show. But uh, you you guys uh, can see these movements that they're doing. He has to sing while doing these perfectly in sync every single time. And it's really really incredibly difficult to do.
2: Yeah, the choreography for that one struck me because it feels so much more intricate than everything else. And it feels like it's a lot of pointed movements and a lot of like voguing in a way that feels like it sort of disappears later on in the show. Right. So I'm not shocked that
1: it's complicated. Nothing, Adam. I don't remember that one. (laughs) Well, you only watched it once enthusiastically. I guess I was being too enthusiastic at that point. Here's a question I had. I, I, I could have sworn that life during wartime was in the set list, but, I looked at all the set lists, even from the tour. I don't think they ever played that fucking song. It is not. The one the one song that they put as a bonus track at the end of the album is The Great Curve. Um speaking of cool she was not with me when I saw the show. Damn. Um <laughs> but uh um but I, and I can't recall whether that was an encore that I saw when i saw the broadway show or not but um so i the seem guys to remember enough yeah i seem to remember it ended with road to nowhere but maybe they played the great curve but um yeah it's a it, it, the show is a not surprisingly for something that started as a tour to promote an album um it has quite a few of the american utopia songs in it but it also has a lot of Talking Heads songs and a really great cross section of some of the best songs from Mr. Burns' recent solo work. Which uh, are you guys as familiar with his solo records? Not at all. Depends. Like I, I, I was surprised there was no, there weren't any songs from like Ray Momo. Is that how you pronounce that? Like first big yeah, solo, probably, record? yeah. Because there were there was like a hit on that album and they that, that was in there. So a few of these I didn't know, but I definitely knew that everyone's coming to my house and Lazy. Do you know that was probably that's maybe Mr. Burns is one of his bigger hits. Yeah, uh, from his one. solo. But that's record. not a that's not a Burn song, right? That's Express. Express Two is the is the they're sort of DJs who did it, and he sang on it. Okay. um and then toe jam is uh is his one of his songs with uh fat boy slim which was kind of popular um but yeah so it's kind of cross it's it's like you get the best of talking heads um with I think three songs that were in stop making sense but then you get all these really great um Mr Burns songs which have have not been really performed live all that much with a band that is I would say as good as the Stop Making Sense band was, if not better. What? Interesting. I th- I mean that was a great that was a great band, but I mean these guys are doing everything they did and dancing the entire time, which you know, George Harrison Look, God bless him. He, uh, you know, he didn't have to really dance a lot in the Beatles. He, he basically like they they would bow simultaneously. That's as choreographed as the Beatles ever got. But when he got to you know stop making sense, he he you know shook his little butt up there on the stage you know during one part of stop making sense. But uh, you know he, he you wouldn't you wouldn't say this is a choreographed uh, show stop making sense. But this this uh, American Utopia is. Yeah, but those Traveling Wilburys concerts were highly choreographed. That's that true. Roy, Roy Orbison was insistent upon that. He was like, yeah. I've never done a show that's not choreographed. <laughs> and then Bob <sighs> Dylan, too. He's very, Dancing very full. active on stage. Yeah, I'm going to do I the remember, robot. <laughs> that's right. Watch me floss. Was that, wait, was that to Amber or was that to us? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that was to Amber. What Are, are you oh, guys okay. talking about robots also? Bob Dylan doing We were robot? also talking about... Well, we weren't talking about robots. We
2: were talking about dancing. That's so funny. Yeah, I have a sketch called What If Bob Dylan Did the Robot?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, w- yeah, when I saw this uh, on Broadway, um, I want to talk about the experience a little bit because, um, you know, most Broadway shows... They have a sign when you walk in that um, tells the audience when they're going to stop serving alcohol. And it's usually at intermission, like right after intermission. They're like, you yeah, know, there'll be no more drinks. And uh, this one uh, had a sign, I think, that said, we're going to be serving the entire show. <laughs> and <laughs> I, when I saw that, I said, "Uh oh, trouble. And uh, sure enough, um, I there was a a huge fight maybe I've talked about this on the show but there was a huge fight in front of me um, during the show between um, two groups of patrons where um, they were arguing and I think they're just arguing about like the people in front of someone wanted to stand up and dance during a song and they were saying like sit down sit down Um and it came to blows, and people oh, got- Oh, remember this. At the David Byrne show. At the David Byrne show, people got kicked out of the show, and that was crazy and put a lot of stress uh, into a show. That was a feel-good, good-time show. But, yeah, that's gotta- But then the other weird part about it is my friends from the band Yacht um, were, I guess, up in the balcony, unbeknownst to me, and they saw me down there. And so they wrote to me the next day to say, like, hey, wasn't that a great show? And I said, yeah, there was a huge fight. I don't know if you saw it. And they said, oh, yeah, there was a big fight near, near us as well, up in the balcony. Really? Everyone fighting at American Utopia. You, you wouldn't think it. This is such a good time show when you watch it. Like, everyone's meatheads. just having a great time. But, yeah. Uh, I bet it's people going, like, man, this is my favorite song. It's like, no, the next song's better.
2: No, the next song sucks. <laughs> and then they, they're just like, how do you know what the next ass? song is? <laughs> I checked um, the set list.
1: <laughs> So um, let's talk about the the actual film as well. Uh, you know, after we take a break, we can go through the songs and talk about the certain songs. But h- how do we how do we feel about uh, Spike Lee is the director? How do we feel about uh, how he directed it? I loved uh, how it looked and felt. And the, you remember that there's that point in the in the show where there's like a light, a, a lamp or a light bulb kind of going out on stage. To David Byrne, and then it recedes again? During was Bullet, that? I think. Yeah, you're right. And at, at one point, the when it recedes, the, he cuts to a shot of the camera uh, receding, like it's on the stand with the light bulb. I thought that was, hey, Demi, that was cool you, stuff like that. Do you think Adam just learned the word recede? I, I do think he's got a word of the day calendar. <laughs> I only used it three times And I only used it three times before this today, and I loved using it. It sounds good coming out of your mouth. It's really good. Um, If you guys don't mind, I'm just going to recede for a second, let you guys discuss (laughs) the uh, Spike Lee direction. (laughs) Demi, how'd you you feel about this, especially in comparison to Stop Making Sense?
2: I loved it. I think Spike Lee really did a a good job. And it feels like the kind of thing where... Like, when I thought about the fact that Spike Lee directed this, it was confusing to me because I feel like in my head, like, my image of Spike Lee is that he would hate everything Talking Heads is, like, just a bunch of, like, white guys doing (laughs) Afro beats. I feel like he'd just be like, fuck this, and he isn't, and the fact that he shoots this with such a good eye for how to make it feel like a musical and not just being like, I'm just going to film the thing you did uh, is impressive. Yeah. I just watched uh contemporary color. The thing that David Byrne did with uh, St. Vincent and a bunch of other artists back in like, I want to say 2014 or whatever, like a color guard thing. And the way that is shot is so just sort of like, ah, we're just going to do this all once and we'll get as many cameras in there as we can to, collect it all and it does that's kind of the
1: modern way of, of whenever a band you know they were a little more popular six years ago or, or bands know, even 12 years ago but when, yeah bands in general were really popular but um you know how they would put out a DVD or a filmed concert of the you yeah. know and it's pretty much just like point and shoot this this totally. Spike takes great care in in making this a film and 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 you know it, it was a very different experience for me from watching it um with, look, I'm going to be honest, great seats, third row. But it, it's a very different experience because he's, he literally is like filming it like a film sometimes. He's doing above shots, he's getting up on stage, and, and, you know, I don't know if he's using sliders or, or what, but he's, he's doing all these kind of weird close ups that are, that are, you know, not an angle that you would watch the show from, from the audience. Right. Yeah. It looked like they had done the show without the audience there. Probably. Right. And, Definitely. Know? There are a few shots where like the camera
2: is clearly moving with them, like in front and behind them. Like there's a shot where he's just following them from the front during, I think e And it feels so uh, like it's, it's what makes it work so well as if you were to like, it just elevates it to a new
1: level. It's great. Yeah. The camera doesn't really stop moving for the whole the whole thing which really works well it took a little bit of getting used to a little bit because i just watched stop making sense and and because we did that episode about it and and it is shot differently than stop making sense so like anytime anytime they would do something that isn't what stop making sense would do i would kind of go is that right like when they would show the audience during a song you know how demi didn't Uh, Jonathan Demi, that is uh, not this. i was gonna Demme. say I don't be trash talking me. I'm right here. I'm sorry. I'm talking to Amber right now. Okay, got it. Yeah, Jonathan, so, comma Demi. Yes, exactly. Jonathan Demi. Hmm. Um, he would he would never show the audience. He did all these kind of long takes. He did a lot of it in close up. And this this is very different. Spike was definitely like you say, uh, Demi, com- comma. This show was shot like a musical in some <laughs> sense, like like uh, the shots from above were a lot like those old musicals where you would you know who's the swimmer the dancer Busby es- Berkeley yeah Busby Berkeley and, and the swimmer dancer Esther or whatever her name is like it was Mary uh, Lou Mary, Mary Lou, Lou Retton Mary Lou Mary Henner Mary Lou Mary Lou that's right um <laughs> <laughs> they were. It was shot a lot like old, old Busby Berkeley musicals, which was interesting. It, but, but the first time I saw it, it was like, is this right? This isn't what Stop Making Sense. With did. this one, though, whenever he would be in a a close up for too long, I wanted him to jump back because I wanted to see the the whole stage more than I did with Stop Making Sense. There's something about yeah. like. So everyone is doing such incredible things. I, I tell you what, and the second time I've seen it, it still jumped out at me. The one moment where I was like, that's not the cut that I would have went to is during, um, once in a lifetime where, um, the suddenly the instrumental break comes up and Angie Swan, the guitarist goes into the brown brown brown. Um, And he instead, he doesn't focus on her. He's on Mr. Burns' back. And you hear a huge cheer. But Mr. Uh, Burns is like doing a pose. But everyone in there, this was my experience, was cheering for Angie Swan because she like comes in and is kicking ass. But he's not focused on her. But it, it is interesting. Every once in a while, I'd be like, oh, man, I want to see the whole picture. You know, because when I saw it live, it's just like fascinating. Every single performer is doing something really interesting. Pretty great. I, I remember Spike Lee being a huge Jonathan Demi freak. So I would imagine this was a cool thing to to do to sort of, like you said, make the, what did you call it? The spiritual Successor. sister of... Uh, Receded. Uh, the, he got to just recede into uh, the work, which was very cool to watch. Apparently he watched it 20 times before filming it um, live and um it's oh, wow. a lot of tickets exp- i mean i paid i think 150 bucks yeah. to go see it so he he that's that we're talking three grand that's yeah. probably why he did this he's like did. i need to make this money back <laughs> I need to, okay, my I salary three thousand dollars <laughs> three bozos <laughs> That's it? Okay, um, yeah. I was reading uh, a really good Vulture article with Chris Giarmo, who is the dance captain. And um, by the way, we also, I, I got to point out, um, uh, Tendai, uh, uh, um, she, uh, they they both are the dancers. What is Tendai's last name? Um, oh, the other like notes. main dancer? Yeah, uh, uh Kuumba. Uh, Tendai Kuumba, she and Cristiarmo are the two dancers and they're just like so magnetic. But I was reading a a really interesting uh, interview with Cristiarmo who was talking about how – and the first time you see him, he's so striking because he's wearing just bright makeup and um, everyone is wearing suits and they're barefoot, which, by the way, this started because Mr. Burns was thinking about the the stage outfits, and he wanted everyone to be wearing the same thing. And he was like, well, I, I'd look good in a suit, so I'd probably want to wear a suit. That would look pretty snazzy. And so he thought, okay, everyone should wear suits. But then he was like, but, but there should be something different. What if we didn't have shoes on? And so... That's everyone's shoeless, which I guess uh, is really hard to do for the dancers um, because there's no arch support. So, doing now, Quentin a- can come and see our show. <laughs> <laughs> so doing eight shows a, a week with no shoes is like really really tough to do. Yeah. So I was reading this article or this interview with Chris Giarmo and and he got involved because he's worked with Annie B. Parson for um several years. He actually was in the Drumline thing, Demi that you saw, which I haven't seen. He was a dancer in it. Oh, in um, Contemporary Color. Yeah, in Contemporary Color. So he mm. worked with Mr. Burns before. And he heard that Mr. Burns was looking for a dancer who could sing and he just like cold emailed him and said, hey, uh, I'm available to do this. We work together on the contemporary color. And Mr. Burns just wrote back, oh, cool. Would you be the dance captain too? And that was it. No audition or anything wow. like that. It was just like he remembered him and gave him the job. That's but he's awesome. so he's so striking. He comes out in um, like with bright, bright red lipstick and wearing sort of queer influenced Makeup, and um, that was very important to him to represent that in the show. And so <clears throat> he hadn't met Spike Lee yet, and he was he was nervous about it because he wondered if Spike would kind of be on board with that aesthetic. And um, so he came up and introduced himself to Spike, and um, was chatting with him. And Spike, like about three questions in, was like, "Hey, what lipstick color do you wear?" And Chris was like, "Oh." Here it comes. He's going to ask me to tone it down, or he's going to ask me to change it. And he goes, "Well, I'm wearing like a neutral pink," and Spike Lee was like, "No, no, no, red, bright red. We want, we want to up it for the film. We want to make it as striking as possible." And he just felt like very taken care of in that moment. Like that's Spike, red. Spike, that's you know, good. really appreciated that. And and that's one thing about the the movie and the show. It has so many incredibly diverse performers with different personalities, and it's a celebration of all of those different people. By the end of the show, you just you really feel like you know these people in a way, yeah. And you and you really feel like, oh wow, you know, from uh, Jacqueline Acevedo, who's like a really magnetic uh, percussionist who's always uh, dancing and doing uh, choreography as well as these incredible drum things. Every cast Dancing member... and choreography. Yeah, both. I mean, it's incredible. Wow. But um, every cast member gets their time to shine, especially in Toe Jam, uh, where they all get to do, like, dance solos and stuff. And it's you really come out of it going, like, this is a celebration of people. I, I agree that you kind of felt like you knew them a bit, because at the end, when they're all riding bikes... Yeah. I was like, ooh, I hope I get to see so-and-so on... On the bike, and you get to spend a little time with each of them on their bikes as well. And you all, you all sort of, you, you have your favorites in watching the thing, and and what's been great about seeing it so many times is going back and like watching different people and what they're yeah. doing the entire time, because totally. every single person is doing something fascinating. And and you know, it's it's really cool. A lot of people's backgrounds helped them get this job. Like I was reading Angie Swan, the guitarist. She uh, was in Cirque du Soleil, and Jacqueline Acevedo was like a dancer as well as a percussionist, you know? So like everyone kind of has these really unique backgrounds that they use um, to great effect in the show. Yeah. And they're all incredible musicians, just incredible. Yeah. That's the thing. that this, this is the degree of difficulty to be in yeah. this show. I cannot even imagine. Like, okay, you have to be one of the best musicians and you have to be an incredible dancer and be able to memorize all this stuff. It just seems like, I don't know how anyone did it. I would say, like, not only do you need to be one of the best musicians in the world, you have to be one of the best musicians in the universe. God, you got me. That's right. (laughs) Adam's flipping me off. All right. We've talked about it generally enough. We need to take a break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to be going through some of the songs. Uh, We will be right back with more. You talking, talking heads to my talking head, American Utopia Edition.
0: spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba
1: ba. Welcome back. You talking talking heads, my talking head. American Utopia special. This is the opening song. This is called Here. And, uh, I really as like it, this song. Yeah, as it opens, uh, Mr. Burns is sitting alone on stage with, uh, holding a skull. A brain. Uh, a brain. Sorry, a brain. That thing, uh, the thing inside the skull. Do you get was, skulls and brains mixed up? I do. I hit my brain the other day, and now oh, I get Jesus. skulls and brains mixed up. Um, so this, Demi, you mentioned it, sort of starts off like... Um, stop making sense in the sense that Mr. Burns is alone and uh, we add musicians as the songs progress
2: yeah even like even just having it be him on stage until a harmony happens is such a interesting choice and it's like just getting to see the stage like the, the chain curtains built during this is a very cool thing
1: because I think the chain curtains lift up at the beginning of the show, is that right? They're all on the ground, and then the whole rig yeah. kind of lifts up and comes It Yeah, it's very striking. And um, is this a song from the album American Utopia? Yes, yes. So th- th- this is kind of establishing the theme of the show, which s- addresses the connections we have as humans, and he, he points out the human brain and how it loses connections over the years as sort of a metaphor to uh, people connecting, which is really interesting. So, very cool song. By the way, we have a uh, review of uh, the 1989 production of Dames at Sea. It wasn't 1989. It wasn't eighty nine. All right, wow. it was well, before that. <laughs> you said it was going to take six months to get this information. Yeah. I guess you're right. <laughs> so far, so good though. That's part of research. It's uh, you know, that a lot of trial and error, as Michael Richards once said. That's right. Um, so after Mister Burns sings to the brain, then um, we get uh, Tendai and and Chris come in, and this is. Uh, a medley of I know sometimes a man is wrong and then it goes into Don't Worry About the Government which he hasn't played live in 30 years really
0: I know sometimes a man is wrong I know sometimes I do believe
1: by the way he is in good I voice He's getting way up there with, like, a lot of, uh... He sounds good. Is it a little processed, though?
2: They process oh, it do you
1: occasionally, think? like, on Once in a life Or, yeah, Once in a Lifetime, they definitely do. Do you think the album is, do you mean?
2: I don't know, because I was watching it with friends, and my friend who didn't know David Byrne very who, well Rachel? Was... Joey? Yes. Uh, Phoebe? Phoebe? Monica, Gunther was there, uh, Marcel. Can you like thinks? Gunther in?! Yes, we have to. He complains if we don't. Uh, I get it. But uh, she was saying that she loved his voice, and then uh, my roommate was saying, "Well, that's definitely processed that the, the word' like I believe at that point. It's a little yeah. too clean. but I don't know.
1: Mr. Know It All Gay. Could they 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 could process it live, right? Like During. Do you when you say process, do you mean like auto-tuning it or what do you mean? I think so. I think
2: a little bit just like smoothed out in a way where it's like if it if not, his voice might like
1: crack down or be a little flat, but it's not like entirely replaced. I wonder if that was for the movie or whether they would do it live in the
2: Yeah, I don't know.
0: Okay, this is don't
1: worry about the government.
2: I like the way that this
1: song sounds here more than I do with Talking Heads. Interesting. We have Tim Kuyper, I think who be- is out there with a uh, tambourine, doing the song on tambourine. I think it's because of the harmonies when it gets into the loved ones, loved
2: ones, but I also just, I don't know, I like it. It feels more well, full I, here.
1: I think Talking Heads songs sound better with a, a band this size, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's yeah, why I like definitely. Stop Making Sense. That's why I like this. It's just so joyous. Let's hear those harmonies Demi was talking about.
0: Yes, it's gonna I love this song. Easy so it's
1: so highway I just think those harmonies make it even more joyous. It's so great and yeah. the and the choreography that's going on during it it's so amazing. Um I was yeah. reading an interview with Mr. Burns where he was talking about certain tours that he's done recently where he will be doing it with, you know, pretty much like a backing track for a lot of the the music and he said there's just a you you level out like you top out at the level of excitement when you have that m- much of a backing track that the audience just doesn't get much more excited. They just kind of watch the show, as opposed right. to this, where it's you know such a huge band and they're doing this. He says the excitement is just off the charts. Hmm. So I thought I'd say that. I love that. I love that you said that. <laughs> All right, this is lazy. This is uh, the aforementioned lazy, the Express Two song. Um, <laughs> How do we feel about Lazy Guys?
2: I had not heard it uh, before American Utopia,
1: and I love it. Yeah, I like it too. I, I don't know it either. It was sort of a, it was like a minor hit. It's definitely one of the few songs he's done that have kind of broken out to more of the public consciousness a little bit. Which is maybe why it's placed so high up in the show.
2: And the dancing on this one's very fun too because it's like it's a lazy dance but it's so uh, fun. Oh, I don't want to talk over this part.
0: I'm lazy with my girlfriend a thousand times a day. Lazy when I'm speaking, I'm lazy when I talk. I'm lazy when I'm
2: dancing and I'm lazy when I walk Which
1: part do you want to talk over? This one? Yes, this part's bad now. No. Uh, I just
2: the, the dancing that he does for this one is so instantly memorable because it's just like him sort of going back and forth with his arms open, and it's very fun, and it feels in he's league with to, this he's song. Ta- he's
1: talking to Amber again. I can tell. Yeah. All right, this is Lazy. So the, what was the, the, song, the song that he mixed with uh, talking about the government? It's I Know Sometimes a Man is Wrong, which... Might be on what Ray Momo. Me... No, it's not. I just checked. I'm trying to figure out where it. It's it's from one of his. Uh, yeah, it's from Ray Momo. It is. Yeah. So in your face, <laughs> in my face. Sorry, you guys are saying Ray Momo, Ray Momo, Ray Romano, Ray Romano. <laughs> oh, I know, Deborah. Sometimes a man is wrong. Oh no. <laughs> Oh God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Once vacationed at the same hotel as him. Um yeah, that's from uh Ray Momo. One of the last uh, songs on it as I recall. Uh good song. All right. So then um by the way, in between the songs and this was not the case in the concert version um, there's, there's more talking like, uh, Mr. Burns kind of does these like sort of monologues in between a lot of the songs where he talks about the themes of the show. Um, and, uh, what did you guys think of all that? Did he do that when you saw it on Broadway? On Broadway? Yeah. Because okay. when, when you do something on Broadway, I think there's an expectation that it's going to be thematically a little more challenging, you know? Right. Um, but not in the concert version. I loved it. I feel like
2: David Byrne yeah. always has this feeling like he is a, a children's talk show host. And just <laughs> having those sort of interludes in between nails that feeling for me. And just him being like, here's another wonderful thing about the, the world that we live in. I'm like, great. Keep that up. <laughs>
1: By the way, Demi, did you see the John Mulaney sack lunch bunch? Yes, I did. Yeah. I loved it. It's great in that. I love the song that he does on that. <laughs> All right. So then he goes into This Must Be The Place Naive Melody, which is just oh, just incredible. Let's hear... Uh, this. I can't believe he put this so high up in the set list. Is it, You know, it's, cr- it's crazy watching this again. He has so many songs that could be the last song and, and they're like song four or they're in the middle. Absolutely. The, uh, uh, once in a lifetime is like, could be the end. It's it like it it brings down the house, let alone burns down it. But um, I'm a, I'm always so shocked that he seems to love playing these songs still. Do you think Do you think at any point he said to Talking Heads, "Can we just call this David Burnin' down the house?" And they said no. He was like, "Okay, my bad. Shouldn't have even mentioned it." At, definitely at one point. Yeah, I mean, of course he did. I think it's a weird—it's weird to even posit that as a question. It's <laughs> almost like you're receding into your—oh, Jesus Question Christ. itself. I just
2: want to real quick, Adam. Can you give me a definition yeah. of the word
1: yeah. "recede"? Use it in a sentence. Uh, of rec- I'll, I'll use it in a sentence. Um, I receded to the store where I purchased uh, Butterfinger. Mm. it doesn't better really finger. Help my yeah, no, understanding butter, of the, the candy word. bar butter okay all right well let me try again um, I'm gonna recede on over to the coffee maker and make myself uh, a coffee uh, when I wake up in the morning okay so you can recede over to somewhere absolutely <laughs> you seed or I'm gonna recede these dishes before I put them into the uh, dishwasher hmm I'm just gonna look it up this isn't helping yeah go ahead go ahead <laughs> This song is, it's, you see a show like this and you really, you know, someone who doesn't even know David Byrne or Talking Heads would, you know, it's one of those. By the way, there's a really great um, Stereo Gum article about this song that just came out today, the day we we're recording it uh, by, uh, of course, I've talked about him on this show before, Tom Bryan, a great writer. He does. A column called The Number Ones, where he, he writes about every number one single uh, since the Billboard charts began in 1958. And this did not hit number one, but um, for uh, the Indiegogo campaign to help save the website Stereo Gum, he's been, uh, if, if people pledged a certain amount, he will write about whatever song they ask. And someone asked about this song, and um, it's a great article that that Tom Bryan wrote. But even better is the person who suggested it writes about his wedding and how much this means to him, and it's very, very touching. Go uh, read it if if uh, you can. This song was uh, the song that I heard that made me
2: cry for the first time in quarantine. Uh, I went on a hike and I was listening to Stop Making Sense," and I heard this song, and it just made me think about. Uh, being in college and dancing to this song. And I was like, oh, to be in a crowd of people again. Hmm. Yeah.
1: What day of quarantine was that? I want to say... Day (laughs) one. Yeah, I want to say it was day one. (laughs) Why are we here? (laughs) Like March 23rd. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. uh, Let's hear E-Zimbra. That's next. I mean, E-Zimbra. Oh, man. This is so fucking So great. This is, by the way, I think um, the full band finally is out at this point and angie swan comes out i think this is the first time you hear angie swan she's like amazing uh guitarist oh it's so great by the way mr burns straps on his guitar for this as well it sounds so good this is the first
2: one that I think is heightened by the way it's shot, because he gets yeah. very close and like follows performers as they're going, and it's, it works so well. It makes the song feel so powerful.
1: What a great
0: song.
1: Yeah, this is where it really kind of takes it up a notch because the choreography with the entire band kind of starts here and it just starts to get really intricate and really impressive where you start going like oh holy shit this is something incredible all right let's then go to slippery people slippery people Oh, this is so good too. Love this song. They do say little creatures in this song, Scott. Oh they do? Why did we argue about that on a previous show? We didn't argue about it. I I was like, <laughs> do they say it in this song? And then I looked up the lyrics and I was like, Nope. But they do. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's why I need a researcher so badly. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just time? recede to one? <laughs> yeah, I should recede one up. <laughs> do remind me, do they play this in? Uh, they do in uh, Stop Making Sense. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So so far we've had two songs that were in Stop Making Sense. Not a lot from Stop Making Sense. I have to admit, less than you would think. When I went well, back and it's counted, like four. yeah, it's like four or five. It's it's not that many songs from. That that have the and it's so great to hear some of the later Talking Heads tracks. Yeah, like done This Way." Yeah, "Blind" is amazing. God, this must have been so fun to see in person. Oh my god! And I couldn't get anyone to go with me; I was alone. <laughs> um, okay, so this is this is. um slippery people destroys and then they then Mr. Burns starts talking about television and this is uh, one of his uh, songs about television uh, this was from the Saint Vincent record collaboration record this is I should watch TV is that a good album? I never really... It's pretty good. I like it. It was It was kind of my introduction to Talking
2: Heads. Uh, because, oh, really? Why? Because I didn't know about Talking Heads very much until I went to college, and around the same time that I was learning about Talking Heads, this, uh, their Love This Giant came out, and I was a huge Were you a St. Vincent
1: fan. fan before oh, that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
2: Okay. Uh, and so then I was like, okay, well, I gotta figure out who this guy is, and then it was like, all right, time to
1: re-educate myself about everything. When she was on Comedy Bang Bang, I can't remember if this made the actual episode or not, because we edited some of it down, but I remember saying to her that her album covers reminded me of David Byrne album covers. Hmm. This this is before this was announced, and she got a very curious look on her face, like, hmm. Really? And I I thought, that was a weird way to react to that. And then they announced announced their collaboration, like, you know, three months later or something. The way this one is shot, too, is so
2: awesome because uh, it's him talking and then he turns to the curtain and the camera like whips and you, like it immediately turns into like a, like he's looking at a TV, like yeah. the light through the curtains.
1: Also, it's the so very, horrible. very last shot of this when the lights go out is very dynamic and mm. um, is, is an example of not shooting it just from the audience's perspective of like, oh, here's the show. It's very right. cinematic. Um, All right, so then uh, we go into the single from uh, American Utopia. This is Everybody's Coming to My House, which... um, What do we think about this? Oh, I love this, and I love the story he tells before about a bunch of kids, like elementary school or junior high kids, singing this song and how he felt it changed the meaning of the song to something far more optimistic and inviting. Yeah. because he always meant it as like more of a cynical meaning like well, i can't get, wait for these people for to these leave. everyone to leave yeah and then they play that uh, over the credits the yeah uh, it's really nice. school, and it's really good i love the
2: drums on this song so much when it kicks into the chorus just yeah.
0: great trees, back, shoot,
2: this was very fun to watch uh with friends who didn't really know or care about David Byrne because they just kept commenting on how much he uh, feels like an alien who's just landed here and is like <laughs> talking about buildings a lot and how oh, like yeah, cities don't... work.
1: Who did you watch Plants this with? And trees.
2: Uh, my friend Liz who is really big into music but does like just uh, talking Has blind is... spots, yeah. Yes.
1: Um, okay, so then after that we go into kind of what I mean, it could have been the end. Everyone was so hyped up by it, oh, but this yeah. is once in a lifetime. Just an incredible <laughs> performance.
2: everyone gets so excited anytime uh, one of the bigger Talking Heads songs yeah. comes on it's very infectious.
1: Oh, it <laughs> yeah. is. But how incredible to have this many hits where you can put Once in a Lifetime in the middle of the show oh, have yeah. it be as good as any encore and then go nope we still have a full show to go.
2: Yeah. We've done seven or like eight songs let's keep going.
1: I mean how many 45 year old people got excited in the audience when this song's going Well I'm a 29 year old and I was Fucking jazzed. I know, but I'm just wondering about how many 45 year olds. Let's say eight. That's a good. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. You
0: may ask
1: I want to get to the point where Angie Swan comes in with the guitar just because, uh. She shreds. She shreds and. It's just such a cathartic moment of her going... You talked oh. over it. Oh, sorry. I mean, you heard like one second That <laughs> yeah, wasn't it. cathartic for Demi and I. No. I, re- I feel like I just receded into my Tough shit! <laughs> Dude, the- she does recede this really well.
2: The weird thing about this song is because I got into Talking Heads so late, every time I hear this song, I think about the trailer to Wreck-It Ralph.
1: <laughs> oh my God! Which is so? What a, are you thinking about? Well, like, are you thinking about the images, the character Ralph? Are you thinking about Sarah Silverman's princess character? What? What exactly? I'm thinking is... about it
2: all. I'm thinking about the establishing shot in the trailer when you hear this song, and, you're, and then he's like, <laughs> "I'm gonna wreck it," and I'm like, "Okay." Every time I hear this song from this band I love, I gotta think about this movie.
1: <laughs> I still think about I still think about Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Yes. Oh yeah. Because I remember being bummed that they. Use the song twice, it them.
2: opens and closes. The I film. know wild.
1: Um, so they they destroy on that, and the audience is like, and by the way, this is the first song I believe where the argument happened <laughs> in the performance that I saw because mm. a guy was dancing around anyway. So they they kind of destroy it, and everyone's on their feet, they're clapping, and then they do the classic move of, all right, let's take it down a notch. This is glass, concrete, and stone. So a very good song. I love this one. Yeah, this is great. This is from um, what album is That it movie? From? Which one? The oh, in Good Company? I think it yeah. is actually. This one was not on uh, Wreck It Ralph. Although, if they wanted to use it in the sequel, I mean, yeah. we should recut Wreck It Ralph and use this. Uh, the trailer for it. I'm on it. Grown Backwards is the album that this is
0: on. Is
1: that an album about your penis? <laughs> it's receding. And I'm using it correctly. <laughs> My penis, that is. You use <laughs> your penis
0: correctly.
1: What do you guys think of this one? Nice little breather. I love this sound. Yeah, I yeah. love it. And then um, the next song is is probably—I I was trying to say, like, what's my favorite moment in this? And I think Toe Jam might be my favorite sequence. In, because they all get to do, like, a dance. All, and- yeah, you get to see all of their personalities. It's such a good song. It's so, uh, let's play it and let's hear it. But it, it, it really is—everyone gets their own spotlight moment. It feels different from the rest of the show, too. I feel like the lights even change like yeah. colors significantly. It be it it becomes a community performance at this point. You yeah. know, yeah. in such a great way. This one feels so much like a Rafi song. Like just
2: a song for children. I'm
0: talking to my tape recorder, walking down.
2: Have you guys seen the music video for this song? Uh no, what is it like? It was I think it was like it went viral a while ago, but it's like basically it's a bunch of people in a house getting naked oh, yes. and then I have the sensor
1: bars. Yeah. Yeah, so they so it's it was weird because I was watching the video and I was like, this is very atypical for a Mr. Burns video because it's essentially people gather in an apartment and they start taking off all their clothes. And they're, they're like sort of sexy models. I was like, what is going on? And then the sensor bars, like the black sensor bars, um, depending on what body positions everyone is in, spell out different words, which is really cool.
0: Yeah.
1: So good. My favorite one, I think. And then after the joyous um, celebration of that, the lights get very stark, and "Born Under Punches" starts. So let's hear that. Um, it's a, a very cool.
2: I feel like this is one of the more popular Talking head songs that I have never been a huge fan of.
1: You know, I don't. I don't know that it's. It, it, I don't know it's popular in the sense of it never like broke through to the public at large necessarily but do you mean like popular of Talking Heads fans yeah
2: like that people talk about being like oh well these are the big songs of yeah Yeah.
1: I get it yeah I mean it's doesn't it open fear of music not fear of music but remain in in light. light remain in light So Demi hates this, so we're going to skip ahead. Can't stand it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, then comes another song off of the album American Utopia. This is uh, I Dance Like This. A little bit of comedy in this song. Where everything stops and they're still dancing.
2: They do that a lot in the in the show where they have like sort of silent moments and the audience goes. Well, you know,
1: it's, it's it starts with lazy because they're, okay, so my friend and I had a thing where we were like trying to name every instance in music where there is a lyric with using the word stop and the band behind the singer stops. Right. So like in Allison by Elvis Costello. Sometimes I wish that I would stop. And the whole band stops. You from talking. So we were trying to think of like all the instances. So they do it in Lazy. And then they. They do it in This Must Be the Place. They do it, no, they do it first in Lazy and then they do it in This Must Be the Place as a callback to Lazy. But Mr. Burns was saying. No one views it as a callback to Lazy. They just viewed it as this really beautiful moment in one of their favorite songs. So it gets like this rush of applause. Right. Um, but but he was like, it was a kind of a happy accident. We just kind of were doing like a callback to the thing we did in the previous song. This was the one that I wasn't crazy about.
2: Yeah, it doesn't it's, feel like a a song that fit like is in the same style as the other ones.
1: Yeah, you know what's interesting no. is be, is is this is a Broadway show that came from a tour and like I was saying there are songs that they were doing on tour that I wouldn't have necessarily have included in this and that's why. no so not my favorite but then uh, this one is Bullet which is really interesting I think and this is from the new album and I think it's kind of cool for a slow demi year Nodding your head, like, eh, maybe. No, I like it. I like what he does, like, with his, where he goes into that false, like, oh, great dog.
2: I really like that. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: What's interesting is we have three straight tracks from the new album. Yeah, this is the bath and break. You know, because Every Day is a Miracle is from that other, you know, David No, Mern it's album. No, it's from this one. It's from American Utopia. I thought it was from their album. From, Check out uh, your screen, bro. That it was from that one. Uh, it's it's not. Album. See? You're thinking of uh, One Fine Day. That's what I'm thinking of. I love that song. <laughs> Demi actually did go to the bathroom <laughs> during this song. Ooh. he did?
2: Yeah. I did not. I went to go grab a laptop charger.
1: Okay, so then- I don't uh, pee. Oh, sorry. I don't mean to- I don't want rumors spreading insinuate about- Insinuate that you- Um. Then this is Every Day is a Miracle, the third song, uh, straight song from American Utopia-
2: I think this song is so funny. I did not know about it before American Utopia, but the lyrics are very... uh, They're just... They're comical in a way that I I, I can't even explain. It's like... What's the...
1: What what would you say is the comical part of it?
2: Well, because he's like... He says something like, uh... A chicken... It, or God is oh, a yeah. rooster And Jesus Are like eggs his son And then he goes into like uh, The kiss like of a, a chicken is hot uh,
1: He says the or, dick and of a something dog. Something doesn't is. Yeah yeah And something doesn't mean shit to a dog The Pope don't mean shit to a dog Shit to a dog yeah 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 it's this part right, right here
0: I like son.
1: Sorry guys Adam just went to the bathroom too Now that guy pees that guy totally pees. He loves it. Real pisser. I like this song a lot. Yeah, this is a really beautiful. I think this will end up being one of the Stone Cold classics of his oeuvre. Here are the lyrics that I meant.
0: The Pope don't mean shit to a dog.
1: Did he just say shit? He did. He did. He's nasty. I think David Byrne is nasty. It's disgusting. So then, after this one, um, the, the suddenly we have like harsh spotlights, and we go into blind. This is like God, oh, this sounded and it great, so incredible to hear with this big band. Yeah. Oh, this is with this. I love the choreography for this song. It was like they were all being like the stage yeah. it was acting as if the stage was tilting from side to side yeah so in the choreography they're all sort of like falling to one side of the stage and spike lee tilted the camera to accentuate that it was really cool
2: are there any things you noticed that were like different in watching it
1: from the stage production to this the, there are two things the the one is is the very end uh, on, on road to nowhere they they didn't go out into the audience. Oh, they did. That was that was for the film. But the other thing that I was trying to remember whether it was in there was the Colin Kaepernick reference. I don't think it was in there. I think it was put in for the film. But I but I can't be certain. I was going back and forth, but I don't remember the big projection of Colin Kaepernick. When was the Colin Kaepernick reference, Demi? Do you remember? It's. I think it was during I Should Watch TV. Right. Yes. Because I think they're trying to. Make a song that's about a trivial subject maybe mean more to it, but I don't remember that being in the in the Broadway show, but I don't know. Huh. I love the choreography in this and uh, everyone's characters that they're sort of playing during it. It's really cool. Uh, then we have Burning Down the House, which could be the end of any other show, but no, there'll be four more songs after this or three more songs after this. growl is so good let me hear you try to growl uh, it's pretty that good. was actually very good thank you just as good as his oh thank you i should do american utopia demi you're a you're a musician as well as being a comedian and everything i mean in a way what is what is the how difficult does this seem to you do you think I- you could do it Absolutely not. I,
2: I don't even play in front of people because I'm like, this feels nerve-wracking. So to do that and then also, like, to sing and dance or to sing and play an instrument, to do any two things, I'm like, that's crazy. So to do, like, three, I'm just like, these guys are superheroes.
1: It really is endlessly impressive watching what they do. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. And they seem like they're having so much fun, I which I would say after about 20 performances, I would be like... Oh man, what a drag doing totally. this. Is, and <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> fuck this? David Byrne. Fuck you. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> this performance of Burning Down the House is so good, but it's so hard to beat the energy
1: and joy of the Stop Making Sense version. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I don't know that it does. I think the Stop Making Sense version is probably no. better. But um and then we have uh this is okay, so this is a Janelle Monet song, which oh, yeah, um called Hell You right. Out, which um she performed at the Women's March. Um, Kulop was there. Um, speaking of the Great Curve, and um, she I was saw, there too. Oh, you were there. Mm-hmm. I speaking was. Of the great <laughs> <laughs> this dude pees. Um, I was. At, I was in San Francisco because I had a, a, a live show, a previous engagement. I was bumming that I couldn't go. But in any case, I was across the street at the Man's March. <laughs> I went back swinging your big fat dick around. <laughs> <laughs> it's a man march. <laughs> Gotta let him know. Um, but so, so this is a cover of a Jan- Janelle Monae song, and this was um, I, in the four times I've seen it, I, it's it's very moving, uh, almost impossibly moving when you're there live. I would say um, because this is a song about. Uh, uh, people of color who have who have passed away uh, and been murdered. killed, yeah, murdered essentially. And they're saying say say his name, and they're and you, they're encouraging everyone in the audience to say these names. It's really a very uh, striking moment. And then in the film, I was wondering what they would do in the film, and Spike Lee takes it to another level. Yeah, he and he goes further and and shows people who have been murdered since this performance of yeah right but he has a lot of their loved ones holding up pictures of them which is really the when i saw um the first one it just was like a gut punch it was like oh wow that's what he's doing and then it just continues on and there are so many names let's hear um some of this song
2: One that first got stuck in my head after watching. Oh this. yeah, it's so, oh, really? it's just so uh, repetitive in a way that I think it's supposed to be that it's like yeah. kind of hard not to think about, and it's Scott, incredible. Say, say. Scott, say, say. Scott. It's
1: also the song where it feels like they
2: don't—they stop doing choreography. Yeah, it's like they don't want the distraction to be their move You're right. They—they all just stand. They're there. They're sort
1: of in a line. Yeah, they're in a line. They—they they are stepping forward a few people at a time to kind of like lead the crowd oh, in yeah. saying these names. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, one of, one of the more striking sequences in, uh, in film this year, I would say. Is this an episode of I Love Film? I don't know. I think it was. It was brief.
2: <laughs> it, was just, it Feels like this whole thing should
1: have been. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. right. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is a that is just a a very um, incredible moment to not only watching the film but to be there in person. And then you have a couple songs after that. You have One Fine Day. That's this is the song that he did with the Brian. Eno, oh, um, th- this song collaboration. And this is this is beautiful. Cool. heard it and was like. Did he write that song? Me too. I was was like, like, is this a song I've known all my life? And I'm... No, it's incredible. He performed it on Kimmel, I believe. Oh, that makes sense then.
2: Yeah, this does feel like a song that has It's like you hear it in a Obviously this is, yeah, this has been around forever
1: Like I figured it was a cover or something Yeah, that's what Kulop thought Because it's just so classically beautiful Speaking of Kulop So good. Watch the movie. Watch the movie for yourself. And then uh, the very last song is Road to Nowhere. We talked about it. Um, They are marching around. They go out into the crowd. um, And they're playing to the camera and making faces at the camera and stuff. It's, like, very charming. Everyone gets their own moments. And then we go backstage with them after. Yeah, I love the shot of um, the stagehand marching Yeah, along. That was really fun. That was very stunning. I didn't like that. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Descent. And then Angie Swan, uh, the guitarist, goes up uh, and is talking to David Byrne. She's like, yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And then she looks into the camera and goes, World Star! (laughs) Which made me laugh. (laughs) I love a good World Star reference. It's also funny how he kind of processes it all, just being like, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, I know. He like, just, like, walks away. He's, like, offering high-fives like a human would do. And then he <laughs> walks out of the theater with his bike and just waves it's at just people like, and rides Washington off into City. the night. Um, yeah, and the, and over the credits, of course, we hear uh, Everybody's Coming to My House, the kid version, while we see all of the, the casts on bikes riding around it's just really I mean the whole thing is just joyous um yeah. joyous uh, a, a wonderful celebration of humanity and um takes so many of these songs which are great on record and and takes them to another level I really did feel watching it like I needed this <laughs> like just a <laughs> shot of happiness and joy yeah you know yeah well, you know this um, we don't know what's going on in the world right now. Um, this is very attuned to what I mean they taped it back in February or filmed it back in February. and there's a lot of stuff about voting and um, a lot of about current issues and this episode that we're recording right now comes out the day after the election. So uh, who Congrats, knows what <laughs> Hillary? Hillary. <laughs> um, but who knows what's going on in the world right now? But if um make sure you practice some self care, and, and this is a good yeah. Watch this um, movie. Watch watch this if if anything is in the next uh, week or uh, month is getting you down. Take a break and watch this, and it'll uh, give you a little bit of hope for humanity.
2: Yeah, and if I'm uh, dead by the time this comes out, watch it in my honor. Sure.
1: Of course and yeah. trump 2020 we want to mention that. sure yeah, yeah yeah when we say things are getting you down it's if trump loses <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> um what, what's this version of the great curve i haven't listened to that yet we listened to a little bit of it uh before oh we did and you were here and yeah when we went to break i played a little bit of it oh shit Maybe I'll do it later. <laughs> you, I don't know if I'll get it. You, you had that slack jawed look on your face, like what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So guys, what is our, okay. So when I, when I went to see this show, I, first of all, I, I don't like taking pictures during shows because I've, I went to see Springsteen on Broadway and they were so hardcore about anyone bringing their phones out during the performance. And I was, and I had a front row seat, and I was like, "Man, this would be such great pictures, but I can't do it." And then everyone around me was taking pictures constantly, but so I feel, I I feel really weird. But I did take like two pictures during Road to Nowhere because all the lights were up and everyone was dancing, Um, and I posted it on Instagram. And I was saying at the time, like, I think this show as a show equals or is better than Stop Making Sense. What do you guys think? Mm.
2: I think it's hard for me to compare because I've seen Stop Making Sense so many times and it feels like that's what Talking Heads is to me. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting to watch this and just have it be like, this is supposed to be just David Byrne and he kind of separates the way that David Byrne songs are presented from Talking Heads songs, but it does feel like, uh, it feels more like it involves the audience and it's supposed to be a performance more than a concert, which is nice, but I, it's just hard to beat Stop Making Sense to me.
1: Me too, but I will say it's it's similar. I see why you why you say that because there isn't another show, a concert that is just brings out the joy of music and and humanity like this. And stop making sense do that they, they yeah. have that. In I've common. seen I've seen Mr. Byrne a few times solo, and this is the most reminiscent of stop making sense. I mean, it 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 feels to me like. You know how we were so upset that Talking Heads never toured again after Stop Making Sense, yeah. you know, it's like this feels like the next step f- yeah. for that. And unfortunately it took, you know, thirty five years to do. <laughs> it kind of makes you wonder like, oh man, I wish Mr. Burns would have been touring with a with a band like this the entire time. But I just right. read that it is slotted to start again on Broadway September twenty one.
2: Mm-hmm. yes if, if, we're, if everything's back yes please
1: go to it and i i would maybe go with you guys if you wanted to go uh uh you know we could should we do, do it spike Lee style and go see it 20 times <laughs> yes <laughs> three thousand dollars <laughs> that's nine bozos between the three of us um so any any final words on this i couldn't recommend it more Uh, and like we were saying, Oh my God, I thought you were going to say, I couldn't recommend it. I was
2: very worried.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I give it a C (laughs) plus. That's the best though. Um, Demi. Uh,
2: I think it's truly fantastic. It feels so, uh, it's just like, it's so impressive how David Burns music is. It feels so singularly able to be presented in a way that doesn't feel like any other like concert film or any other performance. And I, I, I have to, like, I feel like as much as it is, like, a credit to the filmmakers that he works with, it's also, like, the music that he makes feels so uh, necessary to be presented in such a way. Like, I watched uh, True Stories twice this year, and I, I watched it earlier this week and was just sort of struck by how versatile talking head songs are, that they can be, like, transposed to, like, other styles of music and, like, even just present, like, sung by other people in like this story format. And you're like, that's still a talking head song. And it just feels like it's that thing of it's He's an alien coming to earth and being like, I'm singing about all these weird things you guys do, but I love it. And I think that that sort of music is what gives way to people feeling like there has to be a way to present this to more than just the people that are in this room. And so it's awesome that we get to see something like this, that does that so well.
1: For some songs that are 40 years old, they still feel very vital. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it just it doesn't feel like you're going to see the stones or whatever where they're trotting out the old hits to cash in. You know, it really feels like necessary music. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, speaking of true stories, that'll be next week for us. And Ooh. so you you saw that a couple of times recently. Were you crying during that, you big baby? I was not
2: because I'm strong and actually I was chopping wood while I watched it. So
1: <laughs> Well, Demi, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, during Thanks, this. Uh, thank you for having it's me. always great always great to talk to you and um you are talking to us, right? Yes, I'm talking to you too. You too. Yes. I'm so
2: sorry. Uh, really, one second, Bono. Uh, no, Edge, can you meet me? Oh, name? no, um, he's been talking to different you Zoom with Bono? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, what did you what, what did you guys think I was doing?
1: Um, have you been talking to Bono this oh, entire so, show? I'm so
2: sorry, Amber. Someone else is also talking to me. What's going on, Scott? How many Zooms do you have? <laughs> I'm so, I'm so I'm so sorry, uh, Mr. President. When I just, sorry. Mr. President, who is it?
1: Donald. Who is it? We need to know. Yeah, tell us who it is. Tell we're, us. We're a week out as of this taping. We need I'll to know never who it tell. is. Oh, no. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. American Utopia, definitely check it out. Um, we're going to go out here on the Great Curve um, because Adam was not paying attention during it before. Um, oh, it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Demi, thanks so much and thanks to you the listeners. We'll see you next week and until then we hope that you found what you're looking for! Bye! <laughs>